turn your Bibles um, with me to Matthew chapter 26 or your your phone or whatever you use to look up with. I was telling some of the other ones when ministering in third world countries, a lot of times we tell people to take a Bible because when there's no power for three days, there's no charge in the phone. So you have to have a hard copy. So, uh, But it, the faith has proved to me over and over the advantages of Googling certain key phrases God speaks and having it like that. Me, I'm with my concordance over there. You know, for 20 minutes, she's got them all ready. Um, I left my notes at home, but faith helped me look some scriptures up on the way over here. Just like that, it took me an hour today in prayer to find them. But I really believe that uh, God's going to bless your heart. And um, if you're listening online, we just welcome you in Jesus' name to... Is it on? Has y'all got it on? Someone Was someone supposed to turn it on? It looks to me like it may be on. I don't, I don't know, though. Is it on? Yeah, let's turn that on because he wanted that. You want to record this, don't you, Jonathan? Yeah. Let's turn that on, and that way I can greet people that are going to be watching online. And It's awkward, but talking on the radio station gets you used to talking to an empty room. So, Dad, in preaching, I used to preach. I was telling the pastor today that I preached to empty chairs for about the first three months in the projects. Um, preach by faith. Preach because it's what God tells you to do. We're ready to go. We just greet everybody online, Firehouse School of Ministry. We want you to know you're welcome. We thank you for watching, and we pray that you'll receive. Uh, scripture to start with is Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. And I have to get into a flow of things a little bit. This is coming from what I believe the Word is in season right now, as well as what I believe God is saying to church leaders. And um, just want to start off by saying that um, the basis of all leadership should be prayer. And personal prayer. Um, if there's anything that, that changed everything about who I was and what everything I thought ministry was, it's having a daily prayer life. Um, for the last five years, I've been in ministry about 20 years, um, some of which I have served God and some of which I have served me and served my own in, insecurities and my own insufficiencies. Um, but having a daily prayer life, in, in a daily commitment, quiet time to the Lord, undistracted. It yields incredible fruit in my home, in my marriage, uh, even having prayer with your family. Even if you just read a scripture to your family and y'all just hold hands and pray, it teaches them a lifestyle of prayer because I believe our actions speak louder than our words. And in our homes, our kids see everything. And I, that concerns me sometimes, you know, because of me. And just saying, okay, Lord, you know, are they going to grow up and remember you know, the moments that I was carnal, or are they going to grow up and remember me leading them in prayer, you know? Uh, but again, our goal is Christ. The, the, the mark is, is the life of Jesus, representing the life of what a believer can be like. Um, and he has made things possible because of his death that defeated sin. And truthfully, without prayer, it's like trying to live life without breathing. You're going to die quickly. And what's worse than that is you may not even know you're dying. Uh, you know, prayer and the study of the word and fasting is a discipleship commitment. If you're going to be in church leadership and you need to pray every day and you need to have a quiet time away from distractions, it's good to pray in the car. I meditate a lot uh, driving on scripture that God is speaking to me and I get understanding. I meditate sitting in deer stand. But now even before I hunt at daylight, I spend an hour or two alone with the Lord studying scripture and giving him the time he deserves because he's worthy of my best. And the best part of my day is the early morning because I'm a morning person. 
But give God a separate time, a, a, a set away time, and set yourself apart to the Lord. That is that is vital for church leadership. For the first 15 years of my ministry, I, I did pray starting off in the beginning, two and three hours a day, every day. And you don't have to start off that long. Just start somewhere, right? My dad always told me, everyone starts out at the same place, the beginning. So start, give God something to work with, and I'll find out that you'll fall in love with your prayer time and your personal devotion. And before long, you'll be wanting to find how you can give more time to that and cut away other things that seem so important. Because I'm going to tell you, everything that we truly need is in Jesus, and we don't need to have Gentile mentality. In other words, we don't think about what am I going to eat, what am I going to wear, what am I going to do, what am I, all those things, that's Gentile mentality. It's not, it's not kingdom mentality. It's not the mentality of a believer. A believer trusts in the Father because you, the more you get to know the Father, the easier it is to trust Him. But what, you can't know someone you don't spend time with and you don't listen to and don't fellowship with. So again, and I hammer this in, in Bible college every day I spoke, and I said the greatest thing you can do for anything as a believer is to spend time devoted to God alone every day. Every day. He deserves it. He, he deserves our best. He's worthy of it. And you'll fall in love with His beauty. And one of the ways that allows you to continue in ministry despite the cost is being captivated by the beauty of who you have and who who has you. Uh, I couldn't live without Christ. I, I, you don't. And please don't misunderstand me. I do not believe that God does things for me because I pray. I believe God does things for me, but I give Him an opportunity to do them. I give Him a a place in my life. I'm not justified by how much I'm praying. I'm justified by Christ. However. It's hard to learn if you're not around a teacher. So again, I'm just hammering that, that how importance of personal prayer and leadership and church ministry. I know my marriage, it changed my marriage. My wife prays every day and we both have for five years. And what we decided to do five years ago, even though we've been in church and have been pastoring probably for 15 years off and on, I had bad seasons. But those bad seasons came because of prayerlessness. And I'm not talking about praying in the car. I'm talking about praying alone. I stopped, and I got more and more busy doing and, and less time being. It's the most important thing to do is to be, not to do. In other words, you need to be a son and abide in the presence of the Father. Being is more important than doing because the doing that you do will be with wrong motives. And that's a big issue we have nowadays in ministry and even in our own lives and cultures is the motives of our heart is not right because we're living under the influence of the flesh. And, and I, I wanted, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about the gifts and all that, but this is just what God told me to speak about. So um, the gifts and all is fun to talk about, but that won't function properly, nor will it be lasting without having the fruit. I was sharing with Tiffany in the living room of her house. You know, the Bible says you cannot put new wine in old wineskins, right? Okay, why? Burst. But what makes it burst? And it's not a tech. Don't, you don't have to give me the formula for wine. I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying to get you to think and I'm trying to stop so people connect. Okay, new wine can't be put into the wine, old wineskins because the potency of what's being poured in, the character of the vessel cannot contain the potency of what's being poured in it. And over time, if you don't pray, it's exactly what will happen to you. Your character will not develop. And as you pursue, see, the gifts and callings are without repentance. So as you pursue ministry, it's possible that people's desire for God and their prayer and their hunger will draw God in ministry. But if you don't have a personal prayer life or a personal quiet time of devotion, what ends up happening is your gift will take you somewhere your character can't keep you. 
And I have seen that in my own life. And it, it is destruction. Not only that, but it, it not only is it not a witness for Christ, but it destroys everybody's life who is connected to you. And it's discouraging to the body of Christ. People backslide and discourages people. The reason I backslide is because it's a, you remember that song, It's a Slow Fade? It, that's exactly what it is. If, we, if I'm walking side by side with Jesus and I take one step to the left and keep walking, you know, I, a mile up the road, we're drifting further and further apart. And before you know it, you're in ministry for all the wrong reasons, like uh, popularity or affirmation or money or titles or success. Success in ministry looks like Jesus' life. That's success. That is what it, and, and what happened after he left and the people he poured his life into. Amen. That that is what success looks like. What happens after you're gone? But those one of the things that's lacking, I don't think, is taught enough in church and in discipleship is a real discipleship teacher teaches his students and his and his leaders how to pray. And those those were his leaders, those disciples. That he if you teach ministry without teaching on prayer, it's imbalanced and it won't work. Believe me, my character failed because I did not have a prayer life. Not because I wasn't anointed for ministry. It's the fact that people got around me and seen how, how rough I was to be around and didn't want the Jesus anymore because of my flesh. And that's, let me say this, one of the biggest problems we have in, in all cultures where people not want Christianity is people living as carnal Christians. Because the flesh influence, okay, let's just dive in this this way. I believe the Bible says in Galatians that that the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh lusts against the spirit. And these two are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things you wish. Okay, your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions is caught in the middle of a battle. And the battle is not really, if you're born again against the devil, the battle is against your flesh, which lived out, acts like the devil. Because the devil had victory over the flesh due to Adam, one Adam's fall. Thank God the second Adam redeemed us and now we're free. But your soul is going to be influenced either by your spirit, which is one with the Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're born again and you believe in the gospel, or you're going to be influenced by your flesh. So your mind, your will, and your emotions are caught in between those two influences constantly. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, there's a difference. Which one is in control of my, which one is influencing my soul? Again, prayer helps you to die to yourself and to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Jesus said, and Angel reminded me in the car, again, me and her was talking about this, that if any man will come after me and will not deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. If he'll not do these things, he's not worthy of me. Can't change the Bible. And it's in there more than one place, and it was heard by more than one man. So in order to just be a follower, Jesus' message is what? Come and die. Come and learn to die to self every day. Come and die. Now listen, what would make people who had businesses and successful ones, Peter and John were business partners. Their dad had a business. Pete, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, James and John, Peter, they all had businesses. And there were others too. Philip had a family. You see in Acts, he talked about his children, which means he was married and had a family. Peter was married, obviously we can tell from Scripture. What made them leave everything and follow someone who was calling out a message like come and die. They had to have saw something in him more valuable than what they gave up. Being captivated by the beauty of Jesus. You know what makes church powerful? Well, I feel the Holy Ghost just saying that. I, I, I'm, 
He is the most beautiful thing you can behold. You know, the Bible says in Psalms, don't do not to behold worthless things. Well, that's not always just talking about television. It's talking about television, but the things you, that you allow to be set in, in you focus on. Think on those things that are good and lovely. And good. In other words, behold things that are fruitful to your thought life, which comes from prayer and the Word. Meditating on the Word of God is a lost art in our country. People don't take time outside of prayer and meditate on Scripture because that's where understanding comes from. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach if we're ready to receive and want to listen. And I will say this, that it's a lifelong unlearning process to learn how to be cooperative with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is not like humans. He doesn't act like a, a normal man. Uh, learning his language, he, you know, God's love language is obedience. You know, learning those things is the foundation. And also realizing that I don't know as much as I thought I know. And the more I find that out, the more I realize I don't know anything. But I am willing to learn Jesus. And the basics of all Christianity and all leadership starts out at that point. Is everybody with me? So your soul is in, is in the battle between the flesh's influence and the spirit's influence. And you're going to move one direction or the other. Now, where do strongholds come from in the mind? Right? The scripture in Corinthians. I believe it's in it's 2 Corinthians. How you doing, brother? In, in Corinthians, it talks about strongholds. Right, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God. So flesh and blood is not your enemy. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every reasoning, imagination, every high thing, high thing, exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Strongholds result from living life in the flesh and living life with a carnal mind. And what that begins to do is develop thought patterns that are not spiritual, not godly, not renewed by the Word. Now, when you experience the presence of God, you, you, know, you read the Bible, I hear God speak, but sometimes it becomes more illumination. The illumination of the Word of God reflects the image of Christ to your soul from your spirit. When you experience the you know, Paul said after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. When, we, when, you're, when your soul is illuminated by the Word of God and the presence of God, the image of Christ is portrayed through you. Does that make sense? You know, either God is, is in control of your life or you're in control of your life. Or the flesh is in control of your life. And the flesh's motives for everything is self. That's one of the easiest ways to detect what, if, if, what, if what God's calling you to do in ministry. If you're not sure it's God, well... If, if, it, if it doesn't kill, steal, or destroy, or doesn't exalt you or benefit you or any selfish motives you have, it's probably God. Because that eliminates the devil and the flesh. And again, the flesh was sold under sin, so when we walk in the flesh, we will act just like we're lost. And the world does not need to see Christians living lost or leaders living lost. It needs to see people who have the fruit of the Spirit before church starts. Yeah. When you come to greet people, pray before you come to church. Pray Because, see, what happens is when you pray before you come, and I pray before I come, and we come together, and then we celebrate Jesus, and we all are bringing what Christ is in our life at that season, at time, it'll, it shakes hell, and it, shake, it turns the world back right side up according to the kingdom. Amen. It's that simple, really, it is. And ministry is just a result of, of learning how to walk in the Spirit. And how to walk. If you, we live in the Spirit, we pray, then we walk in the Spirit. And we walk life out in the Spirit, then we begin to have freedom and victory. And it's a process, and I've not arrived. So please, let me under say this. Even though that God is asking me to teach this, I have not arrived at the point to where I don't have Jamie. As soon as I go to sleep, I wake up feeling like me. That's why I pray, because I don't like me. I like Jesus. 
And I like the way Jesus feels about me, not the way Jamie feels about me, because I will be depressed in a short amount of time. Ministers and leaders start seeking people out in ministry for the wrong reasons and with the wrong motives. If your heart is not secure in sonship, and one of the things I love so much about Pastor Jonathan, that sonship is where everything flows from. Because a person who is secure in the love of the Father and secure in the affirmation of God does not begin to try to make people a God to them. They don't begin to put godly expectations on people. Expecting them to be God, even though, yes, we should all resemble God, but you can have God daily in an intimate life. And that is God to you. Does that make sense? We don't. You can put unreal expectations on people. I've done it in ministry and push them and drive them and not lead them simply because your identity is in success, numbers, uh, what the world defines Christian culture to be. We need to look at the word and say, okay, what does the word of God say that Christian culture is? Well, according to the Bible and church history and the book of Acts, it looks like imprisonments and poverty and chains and all these things that Jesus said would happen. Why did people keep following him? Man, if you were living if you were living for you, you would not be able to. But man, if you're captivated by what you're giving up and he being worth more than the cost, Jesus said to sit down ahead of time and decide whether you won't enter out. Evaluate the cost lest when you get halfway in it and you quit and that everybody mocks you. And see, that's what happens with people when we don't live in the spirit, we don't walk in the spirit, we go to Walmart. Now look, I'm not saying that we're you're gonna be perfect. I'm far from that. But I want to be more like Jesus, and I don't make excuses for the flesh. Now listen, strongholds, if you remember how uh, old Civil War forts were, they were like, you know, old boarded up log houses, and then they would put they put them on a high embankment, and they put logs in front of them to protect them and embank them, or they would put walls up, right, around it to protect it. What we do is when we begin to live carnally and, ra- and we rationalize and make excuses for living contrary to Scripture and living a lifestyle contrary to that of the Spirit, we begin to put those logs up on that fort. And next thing you know, we have a thousand justifications against the Word of God of why we can live the way we can live. I know, and let me tell you something. God has to tear it down. You now, man can't tear that back down. But when we live lifestyles focused on self and lifestyles focused on us, and we begin to, to develop thought patterns and develop strongholds, and then we begin to rationalize why we should continue to live that way. <laughs> oh, boy, this is getting good now. Just think about that. Do I, do, don't, come on, do we not make excuses for, not, for the times we screw up and study? So, you know, I tell my... I, I admit to my wife and my children sometimes, hey, you know what, Daddy's trying his best, but I, I'm sorry I lost my patience, kids. I love you and I believe in you, and Dad's not perfect. However, Jesus is, and that's my point of striving. Uh, when, I, when we went through marriage counseling, after I found out how, you know, how bad my marriage was because my walk with God was bad, see, that was the, the problem. And so I started to expect her to be something she couldn't be, and that made her depressed because she couldn't make me happy because ladies like her husband to be happy. All of those things, I realized that the problem was not everybody else's problem, was me. And we have to begin to, you know, God, when I went, when I always, I don't know, but God is interested in the things you struggle with. He wants you to clear your conscience. He already knows it's in there. He just wants you to know it's in there so that you'll ask for freedom from what's in you because that's what he wants to do to start with. He just don't let you know that up front. See, he draws you into a place of wanting more of Him and wanting to be free, and then He reveals things to you through experiences in life that reveal where your flesh is not dead or where you have a struggle, so you'll ask 
him to be free so you can be free, which was his intention to start with. Did I lose everybody? Did you, did you follow that? In other words, God has a way of drawing you into wanting what he wants. And sometimes we pray prayers like, you know, Lord, I want more of you. I want you no matter what it costs. And then all hell breaks loose in our life. And or I want to love like you love. Well, be prepared to be hated. Because that's how you learn to love like Christ. Be prepared to be spit on, cussed out, have your life threatened, all of those things. But I will say this, when you go to God bearing that type of reproach, there is a joy and a grace and a presence that you will not get otherwise. Persecution just pushes you into the embrace of the joy of God. (laughs) And it's wonderful. And it's worth the cost. I say that now. But I'm not willing to go through that again, Lord. <laughs> you know, you have those moments where you pray those things, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, because you're in deep intimacy, and God's coaxing you into asking for things because He don't want to cross your will, but He has a way of being so irresistible, He gets you to want what He wants. And then when He draws you into that, then you pray things like, Lord, I want to be more like You. Deliver me from myself. And then you start having problems in ministry or having problems at home, and it reveals your need to be free, my need to be free. Four women and three dogs in one house, and you're just trying to watch the Hardy Boys, or you're trying to watch Andy Griffin. You can't hear the television, and you're just going, oh, God. But you know what? The TV's not more important than the kids are. Then again, the things you do allow to influence you, you, were, you what you will become in the forming process in your life, that you allow, that you will become like the influences you allow. The Holy Spirit is an influence. Demonic things are influences. What you see, what you watch, what you listen to, all those things influence you. And you will become like what you allow in your life as an influence. God lets you set your home. That's why it's so important to set the boundaries of your home, to pray over your home, and also what you allow. My my five-year-old tells people sometimes, Church, she said, Daddy, Daddy throws DVDs out in the yard. Daddy throws, and people look at you all, but it opens a door for me to talk. And I said, well, you know, you live your life, you walk your salvation out with Christ the way that God asked you to. However, I don't let things with sex or violence or cussing in my home. If I watch a Christian movie that's a five dove and it has cuss words, out of my house it goes. It don't even stay the night in my house. Because I have compromised those things in the past years ago, and it had horrible effects on my life. And I've learned you become like what you look at, what you focus on, and what you behold. You will also pursue what you desire. You're going to pursue what you desire. So the, your heart is the womb of your desires. If you're in prayer and you're before God living your life, as Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It, in other words, that word reasonable in Greek means it's expected or it's just, media, it's, it's just beginning point service. You live because you can't prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God unless you're living a lifestyle dead to you because your flesh is going to influence the decisions that your mind, will, and emotions make. Present your bodies. Okay, let me tell you what the let me see how let me tell you how the devil plays into this. You remember when Jesus was being tempted on the on the mount, and I got another revelation of this sitting in your driveway today. Uh, I that all the girls went in and visit with Tiffany, and I sat there, but. You remember when the enemy tempted him, he said, you know, uh, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in one moment. That's pretty cool in itself to think about. Uh, the supernatural world is really amazing. But he, all of those things in one moment. And he said, now, if you bow to me, I'll give you authority over this. Now, Jesus never disputed the authority that he didn't have it because he did through sin. 
Thank God Jesus came. I'd hate to not live in a dispensation of grace because I need grace a lot. Just live with me or go on a mission trip with me and you'll see that. But the enemy will always offer you an alternative path at which you do not have to die to self to, to, to gain life through Christ. He, he won't, that is the only place he plays into it. Humanism is an enemy to the cross of Christ because it preserves flesh. And Jesus preached, Paul preached, death to self, always die. Learn to die so you can live. A man has never really lived free until he's died. And then when you begin to make that choice to die to self and you start walking that out day by day, in time you will get completely delivered from anything that has any hold on your life. It, the, sometimes you can pray and your understanding is unfruitful and you don't even know what God may be doing at that season or moment in your life, but that doesn't mean God's not doing something. Just because your understanding is unfruitful does not mean your life and your walk with God's unfruitful. The, the times I felt like God wasn't doing anything, He was doing the greatest work in my character. And character is everything in ministry. My God, in a time where the Christian culture has compromised, we need character according to the Spirit of God, the image of Christ, and the Word of God. The Word of God helps you discern what's going on in your life. I love the Bible, and I want it all the time, much as I can get. As much of it as, and, and I, I, the way I set myself apart to study is what it takes and what I feel like God is asking out of me. So I'm not going to impose that on you, but you need to study the Bible. But studying the Word of God, right, uh, what does it say, Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul from spirit, and bones from marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So if you really want to know where your intentions are and your thoughts have been, get an influence of the Word of God in your life. Hey, listen to it when you clean the house too. Listen to it when you drive down the road. Angela loves to listen to it going down the road because you catch things. And I'm going to tell you something. Just like television, you think it ain't, you're not, it's not affecting you until you wake up the next morning hearing the Scripture you heard the night before. And, de and developing a... Uh, a community in Elberton and in all Christian culture that is saturated with the Word of God, and not to, so that we can be condemned, but so that we can discern what is in control of our life. Is God? Let me ask you something. How, I ask myself this a lot, and, and it costs me to be where I'm at and to do what me and Angela do full time. But I mean, I mean, I don't get paid. It costs me. But just just think about this for a minute. If Jesus, if I wake up tomorrow morning. And I'm praying, and the Lord says to go down to the magic market or Walmart and to meet a man. Am I free to do that? Or do I have to be at work? Now, I'm not saying not to work a job, but why are we working jobs? To provide for our family. That's not wrong. That's right. Right? But at what point is what God sees as being a provision, and at what point is it materialism and lust and other things? Man's life does not consist of the things he possesses, but of the one who possesses him. And I want to be possessed by the Spirit of God. I want God to fully possess every desire in my heart and everything I do and say, even the actions. You know, I was telling, I was talking to Tiffany about this at home because she wasn't going to be here. And I said, Tiffany, you can predict what Matt's going to do or say sometimes because you live with him and you know him. And, you know, he's your, he's your number one companion. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, the closer you become to God through personal intimacy, abiding in the vine, personally, in prayer, the more that you get to know what he would do and what he will say, you actually begin to act and react just like Christ would, and that would change the world. First off, it changes us. Also, circumstances 
in, in Troubles in Ministry early on was trying to reveal to me a need for me to have different motives. I just could not discern it because I was so absorbed with me. <laughs> I, truthfully, I was in ministry for all the wrong reasons because my walk with God personally, and it was right in the beginning, but I compromised my prayer time. I made excuses, built strongholds up for why. You know, if you, God deserves 10% of your time. If you give Him 10% of your money, money's just entry-level stewardship, right? If you can't be trusted with money, you'll never be trusted with the gifts. And the real things of the Spirit, you, I, we give way more than, we give everything. Why? Because that is the lifestyle God has spoke to us to live, and it's the lifestyle of the Scripture. But you can have nothing to possess everything when God possesses you. You've, you've never really lived till you died. But the devil will give you a thousand reasons why you should not spend time praying. Hey, park your car in the parking lot somewhere if you have to for 15 minutes before you clock in. And I'm going to tell you, though, we say we'll do it later in the day, but oftentimes this world is so pulls so much on our senses and there's so many problems. And I need, I need grace to start the day. Now, Faith, my daughter, shared uh, with Tiffany at her home how that helps to set her day. Faith prays. She's 17 years old and prays every day of her life. I hear her walking. She walks when she prays in her room. And I'm normally coming in and working on ministry stuff, and I hear that, you know, that pacing across the floor. And Angela will come in and get more coffee. She'll Because Angela gets up a little bit later than I do sometimes. Well, I get up at 3 in the morning, and that is early. But Angela says, is Faith still praying? I said, wait a minute. Yep, here walking up down the floor. She's praying. Thank God my daughter prays over my life and my home. I'm grateful. Now, see, that I consider prosperity. That is prosperity. Having my children uh, and, and destiny and uh, is now informed me uh, after. Because, <laughs> you know, the greatest failure you can have is that your children don't serve Christ, I feel like. But you can't make them and you can't force them. But in my house, she will attend family prayer because it's the house God gave me, but I don't force her to pray personally. However, she has now admitted that she does and reads her Bible because she don't have nightmares when she reads her Bible before she goes to sleep. And so we see the fruit of the, of the Spirit in that aspect. Fruit is no much more important than works and anything like that. The Bible says that if we're a branch and we abide in the vine, then we bear fruit. I don't have to strain and I don't pursue fruit. I pursue a union with the vine. Thank you so much for listening to the Voice of Encouragement today. Have a wonderful week and make sure to tune in next week at 1030 Sunday morning. See you again.